Welcome to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Today is Thursday, April 27th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you can also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all of the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And real quick, just a reminder that you can subscribe or follow for free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to do that real quick so that you can get the latest episode as soon as it's available each and every day. It only takes two seconds to go and support the show, and it helps me out more than all of you know. So please make sure to go do that. Thank you once again. I greatly appreciate all of the support. Also, want to let you all know that today's episode is sponsored by Game Time. Make sure to go and download the Game Time app to get the cheapest tickets for all the sports, music, and theater events near you. All right, enough of that. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, as always, for tuning into another episode of Locked On Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks. And thank you all for making the show your first listen here to start off your day. As you all already know by the title of today's episode, I'll be getting into part two of my recent conversation with none other than the man himself, Charlie Rumeliotis from NBC Sports Chicago. I hope you all enjoyed part one of this chat with Charlie. And without further ado, let's go ahead and get into part two. Yeah, it kind of just becomes a numbers game at that point, right? And we know right. there's going to be more help on the way in the back end with the coming years. So that's definitely going to be a situation to keep an eye on throughout the offseason. Uh, the last three free agents, restricted free agents, all of them are that I wanted to ask you about, are kind of guys that I think you can throw into the same group as they're Austin Wagner, Anders Bjork, and Joey Anderson, all guys that the Blackhawks acquired in the second half of the season. They got a little bit of time, probably, you know, 15, 20 games. Bjork was hurt, same with Wagner when he first arrived, but each kind of showed some intrigue at some point in time there down the stretch of the season. All are restricted free agents, all 26 years old or younger. Do you think the Blackhawks have the means to bring all three of these guys back? Is that what you think the expectation is? Two or the three? What do you, what do you think about this this group right here? <laughs> yeah, we, we did a podcast uh, last week of which UFA and RFAs we're going to bring back. And after like re-listening to what some of my answers were, I'm like, I think I'm pretty sure I brought back a lot, a lot of players for the Blackhawks <laughs> and then I left no room for them to sign free agents. So I'm like, I wish I could have a, a couple answers back. Um, Joey Anderson to me is the interesting candidate because if Boris Kachuk is back and Jujar Kara is back, I guess those are big ifs for, for Jujar, which by the way, I don't know if you saw this, but Jujar Kara. Just bring them all back. Yeah, Run them back. Just, just roll back the whole roster. No, no, no roster decisions. Um, I, I noticed. Mitchell's gone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's the one guy. He's the one guy. Um, I saw that on uh, Instagram that Jujar Kara posted um, just like a picture of him. And he said, thank you, Chicago. And that felt to me like a goodbye. Um, I don't know if the Blackhawks told him during the exit meetings that they're not bringing him back. But um, so it feels like he's not going to be back, which is interesting because he was part of he was one of the three players that was part of one of the most effective lines by Chicago down the stretch with Kachuk and Anderson. So I think Bjork, um, he showed flashes in that small sample size and then he got hurt, which was really unfortunate because I, I wish you would, we would have been able to see a larger sample size down the stretch to, to be like, okay, this, this, we can build on this or, you know, uh, maybe we, maybe we should just let him go. Right. So that one's up in the air. Wagner, I feel like, I don't know. They, he does fit what 
the mold, the Blackhawks mold is speed player. Like somebody told me, um, who was it the last week of the season? Somebody said like Austin, Austin Wagner is like one of the fastest skaters in the NHL. And I was like, what Austin Wagner? I like, obviously you don't know as much about Austin Wagner. So I'm like, okay, well that sounds like a player the Blackhawks would want to keep around. Right. So, but at the same time, he, he would probably be more of like a 13th forward, you know, just like a rotational player. Um, and then Joey Anderson, I would bring back just because of what he brings to the table. Like he can, he can play in the middle six. He's likely a bottom. He's likely a fourth line guy, you know, just moving forward, but he can maybe bounce around and bring that physicality a little bit uh, while also adding some scoring touch, if you will, like maybe 10 to 15 goals a season max. Um, but yeah, it's, they have some decisions to make and they're not going to bring back everyone, but I could, I could see a case for them to bring back more people than I originally thought right it's weird <laughs> yeah i'm on the fence about a lot of the same guys too it's like well i could build a scenario for either end of of the spectrum here so yeah the blackhawks while we don't expect them to be very active in terms of going out and adding people i'm really interested to see who and why they choose to bring back some of these guys to see how their roster builds out these next few years but the man that's in control of uh their roster well i guess not technically in control he's not the general manager but the head coach <laughs> making decisions as to which one of these guys is going in going to be in the lineup of course is uh Luke Richardson we kind of have been talking about prospects and the future of the Blackhawks but I I do want to ask you about your thoughts on Luke Richardson as a whole in his first year as the Blackhawks head coach I obviously I don't think anyone's you know going to be holding the wins and losses above his head right like not not going to be completely on on his end sure there's going to be a time where he has to prove he has to win as a head coach but that's obviously not right now and I was far more impressed with the effort level that we saw out of the Blackhawks basically all year long particularly at the end of the season when the roster was very dicey Um, it was very noticeable especially in comparison to what we had seen out of this team the last couple of years so to me while um, the Blackhawks obviously didn't win many games this year I I was still left with a very positive impression of Luke Richardson we also heard only good things off of the ice as well so I I gave him two thumbs up for his first year as Blackhawks head coach what did you think all in all about his first year behind the bench (laughs) yeah I'd agree it's so weird because if you're if you're someone that did not watch Blackhawks hockey at all this year like outside of Chicago, if you're just a generic fan of a, you know, Carolina or the Rangers or whatever, you just didn't watch the Blackhawks this year. It's easy to go look at the win loss record. It's easy to go look at the goal differential and look at the expected five on five numbers and be like, the Blackhawks were last or the third worst or their second worst. Right. And be like, you know, I, I don't know if Luke Richardson did a great job, but it was the way the Blackhawks lost their games were so different from the way Anaheim and Columbus lost their games this year, right? How many times did the Blackhawks lose a one-goal game or they rallied from a multi-goal deficit? What was that? I think they led the league in multi-goal comeback victories this year, which, one, I guess you could say they found themselves trailing in a lot of games, but it goes to show you how much that they they put up a fight, I feel like, in – in years past or the last few years, the Blackhawks found themselves down three to nothing or four to nothing in the first period. And it was like, that was it. Like the game was just over, right? That wasn't the case with Luke Richardson. And the amount of times I went home from a Blackhawks game and fired up 
the Anaheim Ducks game just to see what it, it's like. Second period, the score is like five to one. They're losing. It's like, man, they're not even competitive. It was just so different from the way the Blackhawks were losing, like tight games. They were in almost, I would say they were in like 80% of the games. They either won or they lost close, right? And I think that's the foundation that Luke Richardson wanted to lay. And I think that's the foundation that Kyle Davidson hoped that Luke Richardson would lay when he got hired. So that is a really positive first step. And it's weird that we're both giving Luke Richardson a two thumbs up for finishing third worst and having a terrible goal differential for the Blackhawks this year. But he, he was really, he was a really, really solid uh, coach for Chicago this year and, and to really lay the first step of that groundwork for the rebuild. Yeah, it was kind of, in terms of stuff on the ice, that there were moments where it's hard to exactly gauge how well he was doing as a head coach, but seeing the team's never say die type of attitude. And then I think just even the most impressive part to me was look at that roster down the stretch. I mean, I'd be, yeah. I'd tweet out the lines and I'd be getting quote tweets. I remember from Penguins fans, like if we lose to this team, which of course, <laughs> um, but just the fact well, that <laughs> I was going to, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I, yeah. so I, I covered the New York Rangers, Patrick Kane's first game in New York, which was right after the deadline or right before the deadline. Right. I came back to Chicago. So I missed that game, the Blackhawks at Dallas game or the, the Dallas game uh, right before the trade deadline. My first game back to cover the Blackhawks, I was watching practice and I'm like, I, I literally don't know who some of these guys are right now. Like I needed to look at, I didn't even know the numbers. Like it was so weird. So yeah, I agree. Like the, what Luke Richardson did with the roster post-trade deadline was, was fascinating. Yeah. I, I think you have to give him credit. Right. And just the way that they were playing, like you mentioned, they were in a lot of close games. They had a lot of like truthfully, like beautiful tank losses where it was two, two, one, <laughs> one until yeah. it's left. And then, you know, the team scores to go ahead and they add an empty netter. And on paper, it looks like a three, one loss, but there were still a lot of positives to take away. And I think that's kind of a synopsis as a whole is that there's a lot to build on from Luke Richardson's first year uh, as the Blackhawks head coach or did a really good job in the second half of the season post trade deadline. And Charlie, I mentioned when we first opened the show, I did want to talk to you about the Blackhawks and the moves that they made at the trade deadline this year, since you were last on just prior to that. Um, obviously, you know, Patrick Kane gets traded. The whole world knows about that. Um, Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty get packaged to go to Toronto together. The Hawks get a, a first, a second, and Joey Anderson is part of that deal. Max Domi goes to Dallas for a second. What do you think all in all about uh, Kyle Davidson's deadline? I forgot that we got a free second and a fourth for Nikita Zaitsev as well, who, to be fair, that's probably what you need to give someone to take him because he did not look good at the end of the season. I don't know if that was just my opinion, but <laughs> it, it wasn't a good good start to his Blackhawks tenure. Maybe the end of it, if I'm being honest. All right, part two of my chat with Charlie Romeliotis will continue in just a moment. But first, real quick, I need to talk to you all about Built Bar, which is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Are you looking for a delicious treat but don't want all of the fat and calories? Well, then you got to try Built Bar. And I know some of you right now are asking, well, what makes Built Bar so good? For starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate and come in delicious flavors such as 
peanut butter churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, and plenty more. Plus, they only have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And right now, you can go on down to your local Walmart or Sam's Club to get you your Built Bars. You used to have to order these things online and wait for them to get delivered to your front door. But now you can go and pick up a four pack of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or you can even try the Built Bar Puffs. I promise you'll be thanking me later. Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Yeah, by the way, the fact that the Blackhawks got a second round pick, so I guess two second round picks for Nikita Zaitsev and Riley Stillman earlier this year, and Jason Dickinson, like to get, I mean, those were two really, really solid trades for, for Kyle Davidson. So so shout out to him for that. As far as the, the rest of the trade deadline moves, I think, could they have gotten more for Patrick Kane? Probably. The only reason that they didn't is because St. Louis uh, or New York went St. to St. Louis. St. Louis always ruins everything. everything. They always ruin everything. They're all, they're always in the thorn, the thorn in the side. Um, the Rangers moved on from Patrick Kane and they're like, we're turning our attention to Vladimir Tarasenko and uh, Miko, Miko Mikola because they felt like Kane, they didn't want to wait, or, wait around for Kane's decision, but they also had concerns about his injury. Right. I think if, if the New York Rangers prioritized Patrick Kane, the the return that the New York Rangers got for um, Tarasenko or the, the St. Louis got for for Tarasenko and uh, Mikola is probably the return that Chicago would have gotten for Patrick Kane. But because Kane made the de- decision late and the Rangers basically spent their draft capital, they're like, we don't need Kane, but if he desperately wants to come here, we'll move mountains to make it work. And Kyle Davidson had zero leverage. So, you know, it's, it was hard for him to really, I think if the Rangers get by New Jersey and they end up going to the Eastern conference final, which looks like a pretty decent possibility if they can get by New Jersey, because if Carolina is going to be the team waiting on the other end, I, they're, they're not going to be able to score the way the Rangers score, especially without Pacioretty, Svechnikov, um, all the injuries that they've endured uh, during uh, Teravainen, obviously. So it's going to be, a, you know, difficult. But I think all in all, Kyle Davidson, the one thing that I the, I found was noteworthy in his end, exit interview, um, I asked him specifically what he thought he learned his first full year in, as, as a GM this year. And the one thing he said is, I can't control some of the things that I would like to control. And one of those things are how I view a player versus how another team views a player. So maybe, maybe internally the Blackhawks are like, Patrick Kane is still that 100-point player, but his production is low because he's playing with not Alex it anymore, right? You can't sell that to the other team. Like the other team needs to see that. Or his injury is not as bad as it was last year. You know, it's probably the same, right? But you can't sell that to the team. So I think Davidson did as, as best as he could with the market value, or I guess with what the market was dictating, whether that, whether he got the correct uh, draft picks or whatever in return could be debated, but I don't, it's not like he didn't try to maximize his value. Right. So it's, it was a, it was a tricky situation for him with the the Kane one specifically. Yeah. Considering the situation, I I think the best he was going to do when you have absolute leverage, all the cards are out there on the table and New York knows what's going on here. Um, 
probably even fortunate that they have an opportunity to get another first round pick. Hopefully the Rangers will be able to solve the puzzle that has been Akira Schmidt in games three and yeah. at Madison Square Garden. I didn't know what the heck was going on. I saw Schmidt was announced as the starter for game three, 22-year-old kid who has nine NHL starts under his belt, threw a nice wager on the Rangers and ended up looking like a fool. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there the rest of that series. Us Blackhawks fans obviously will be watching with a close eye there. Uh, but before we move on from the trade deadline, were you a little bit confused like I was as to how the Blackhawks took on Anton Kudobin and still only got a second for Max Domi. I mean, I'm happy with a second for Max Domi. And if you told me that at the beginning of the season, that when we signed Max Domi, we were going to flip him at the deadline for a second round pick, I would have been happy. And I'm still happy about it. I think it was a fine trade, but I would have just figured taking on a bad contract like Kudobin's to help out a playoff caliber team like the Dallas Stars, they could have gotten a, a little bit more. Did you think the same thing or did you think this was actually just about right? Yeah, it's interesting. I got to go back and look at it to see what the what Dallas's cap situation was like at the time, but it didn't feel like because I had that original reaction. I'm like, what? Only a second round pick? They they that, the Chicago took on the bad contract too. I, I don't know if Dallas was as desperate to move the contract as much as like I don't think they needed to move the contract to make the Domi trade work right. I could be mistaken, um, but I, so it felt like the the Blackhawks were maybe, you know, what if the original offer was a third round pick and the black for Domi and the Blackhawks were like, no, we're not doing that. And then they're like, all right, we'll give you a second and we'll throw in Kudobin, right? So maybe that was the scenario. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head what what Dallas's financial situation was, but you know, again, I I also think Max Domi. I think the league knows what he is at this point. So even though he was setting a career, you know, setting, putting up really strong offensive numbers, I think the one thing that was a little surprising is they didn't get a, a more for Domi. Like, not, not that they didn't get a first round pick for Domi, but maybe it was like a second and a third, right? Or like something like that is he was like among the face off leaders in the NHL, right? And I thought maybe that was, that would have been pretty valuable but Dallas is one of the best face-off teams in the league so they're probably like we don't really need him for that um it would have been different if maybe a team that's that was really struggling in the face-off department saw value in Domi at the face-off circle that they felt like okay we'll pay the extra premium just to make sure that we get this guy because he might take our defensive zone draws but um you know so yeah that that's where that was my feeling on it um could they have gotten more maybe maybe if they would have sold him sooner, but it felt like the reason they couldn't sell him sooner is because other teams had bigger priorities, right? He was kind of just like the fallback. Yeah. Good points you bring up at the end of the day, getting a second for Max Domi. I don't think anyone's going to complain about that. Um, but speaking of Domi, speaking of Patrick Kane, how about these Stanley cup playoffs, Charlie, just marvelous as always lots of good battles. I'm excited to tune in tonight once we hop off the podcast, but I, I did want to ask you, uh, I think, do you have do you have Toronto winning at all? Because you're a yeah, I do. If you do, I oh. do. Jack, I got crucified on our last podcast that we recorded on Tuesday. I think um, Pat was he's he was very and he's like Boston is gonna he's gonna they're gonna steamroll Toronto in the second round, and I'm just like no no no. Toronto is better than they are showing in the first round. I think they're just trying to get over a mental hurdle. Listen, I had Toronto from the beginning of the season 
like they would win the Stanley Cup. Um, I'm still sticking with it, but I'm not confident because they got to go through Boston, right? That's that's a really tough. I didn't think Boston would have a historically good year, right? So I think that obviously makes me a little concerned, but I do think I do think they're going to make that Boston series very interesting. It is going to go at least six, maybe seven, and the Toronto's going to really play better in that series than they have. By the way, I'm assuming that Toronto's going to get the job done. I'm pretty confident that they will, but it's when they do, I'll just say that when they do. Plus, um, plus 750. I already know the line. Plus 750 for the Tampa Bay Lightning to win this series, by the way. Really? Okay. I, I, I think it's Toronto's. It's Toronto's. They're going to get, I think they're like my prediction is they're going to get it done in Toronto on Thursday. They're going to end it. Don't get cute. Just find a way to win the game, move on, exercise the demons. Then I think they'll play a lot freer and they'll play like the team that they have been playing all year, like, like the team they've been playing all year long and not be overthinking as much. So we'll see if that happens, but yes, (laughs) I am. I am fully on the Toronto Maple Leafs bandwagon. (laughs) (laughs) Your bold bold move, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. Probably Uh, dumb. (laughs) We'll see. That's what we love about the Stanley Cup playoffs. But I was going to ask you, knowing what we do now, uh, I love that you're riding or dying with the Maple Leafs train here. But other than the Leafs, who have you been impressed by? Or or maybe if there was anything you could change about your bracket, even on the Western Conference side, what what would that be at this point based on what we've seen through the first week and a half of the Stanley Cup playoffs? Yeah, so my preseason pick was Maple Leafs over Oilers in the Stanley Cup final. I feel really good about how well Edmonton is playing but I was so nervous about that first round matchup and to the point where like I, I said on record I'm like if LA wins this series I they're going to win the West like that's how good they they are and they don't get credit for that because they were actually a little bit better in a lot of the underlying metrics in the second half of the season than Edmonton was right um so I think so my prediction is the winner of that series wins the West so if I were to tweak my bracket, I guess I would say if Edmonton finds a way to lose this first round series, I would swap my bracket and say LA is going to win the West and not Edmonton, but I'm obviously going to stick with Edmonton because that's that was my original pick. All right, this chat with Charlie Rumeliotis will wrap up here shortly, but first, I need to let you all know about eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit, and it's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, make sure to head over to eBay Motors because with eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or you'll get your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. So get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I have Edmonton going to the Stanley Cup as well. And I'll tell you what, I believe in Connor McDavid. And I believe, on, believe in Leon Dreisaitl. But having Stuart Skinner in that and saying, you're going to go to the Stanley Cup, it feels bold. And we know at this point, watching hockey for a long time, you need to have a goalie to be able to win the Stanley Cup. And it, it feels like, God, Stuart Skinner, is he really the guy for the Oilers? 
Um, but they feel like they're, they're finally getting it clicking. Leon Dreisaitl uh, has been rolling so far. Connor McDavid with a big night last night. It's going to be an interesting Stanley Cup playoffs, as it always is. Um, but I did want to ask you, too, about Patrick Kane. I got a couple more questions for you. I know we've been rolling for 40 minutes here. I apologize. You're good. You're good. No, no, don't I, apologize. Appreciate it. I, I did want to ask you, obviously, I'm sure some of it relies on what goes on throughout these Stanley Cup playoffs, but I am interested to, to pick your brain about what you think Patrick Kane is considering now that he's going to be obviously an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. Uh, he only gave the Blackhawks the Rangers to work with. Obviously, it came down to the dying days. But do you, do you feel like he got traded to the Rangers or wanted to go there because that was a good chance for him to sign an extension there? Or do you think he's wanting to go into free agency with you know the the best possible scenario for him? Do you think he's leaning New York? If you had to guess, what, what do you think is going through Kaner's mind at this point? It's a very unfamiliar situation for him. Yeah, so first off, if if – you're a Blackhawks fan listening. I would cross off him potentially re-signing with Chicago. That's not going to happen. Um, I do think in Patrick Kane's mind, he would he would love to re-sign with the Rangers. And we all know they're a really good team. They got a really good young core. Uh, I guess I shouldn't say young, but they got Shesterkin, Fox. They got just a really strong core. I think the one thing that also is very appealing to him is how easy it is for his family to catch his games, right? Um, I don't know how much this is documented, but Patrick Kane's dad does not like to fly. So he drives to and from Buffalo. Like when Patrick Kane was in Chicago, like he would drive to and from Buffalo, which is an eight-hour drive to watch Patrick Kane's games, right? And obviously he would stick around to, you know, if the Blackhawks had a homestand, he'd stick around for the whole homestand. But I think he liked the he likes the idea that his family can can be able to watch him at any time, right? So I think that is a big priority for him. He wants that sort of stability where I'm playing on a, on a good team, I'm playing with good players, I have a chance to win a Stanley Cup, but this is also a convenient situation for me and my family. I think he wants to check all of those boxes. So if it was up to him, I'm sure he would like to re-sign with the Rangers. I'm just not sure the Rangers have it in their budget to do so, so so Kane would have to take a fairly significant discount to want to re-sign with the Rangers and make it convenient for him to stay there. Last question I got for you, Charlie. Obviously, we saw Jonathan Taves play in his final game as a member of the Chicago Blackhawks. Pretty emotional night at the United Center, of course. Uh, and I've been asked by a lot of people whether or not I think Jonathan Taves is coming back, if he's going to retire um, and I don't mean to just put you on the spot here, but if he does come back, I, I think it's it's such an intriguing situation for him to come back to, right? Because he was obviously just making $10.5 million. We all know he's not going to be getting anything close to that if he does want to return. And I also that I think that creates such an intriguing spot for him on the market compared to like where he'd want to go and who would be interested in him. Um, again, not to put you on the spot, but if you had to lean one way or another, you think Taves is going to be back in the NHL next year? And like, where do you think would be possibly a good fit? I would be very, very surprised if he played. I think, I think, like to me, in his post game press conference in that last game, it felt like a guy that was leaning towards retirement. Not just leaning; that was like seriously considering. I mean, he was talking about. Yeah, it'd be nice to do this. It'd be nice to free, have free time for that. I mean, you don't go 
into that depth if you haven't given it some serious thought. But here's the thing that that is the tipping point for me. Do you remember Patrick uh, Patrick Sharp's last game when uh, last game at the United Center with the Blackhawks, where he came out with the A when he wasn't an alternate captain that year because he came back from Dallas and he wasn't playing a ton of minutes in that last season with Chicago, but that last home game that he played the Blackhawks threw him out there a ton. Like his, he, I think he averaged like 12 ice time, 12, 12 minutes of ice time during that season. And in that last game at the United center, he played, uh, I think he played close to 20 minutes. Jonathan Taves' last game. If you remember, uh, Luke Richardson said before the game, he was asked how much are you going to play Jonathan Taves tonight? And he's like, as much as possible. And that game went into overtime. It almost went into a shootout. And Taves barely got over 16 minutes of ice time. And I don't think that was because Luke Richardson didn't want to play him as much or like didn't get, didn't have the opportunity to play him. I think that's, that's what Jonathan Taves was able to give him. Right. So if Jonathan Taves is going to return, he's probably going to be in a third line role for another team. And he's not going to be the player that he thinks he can be. And so I think, that would be a difficult hurdle for him to overcome to want to go to a different situation, a totally different. It's different with like Patrick Kane's playing on the first line for the New York Rangers right now. You know, like he's tasting that those minutes, Jonathan days is probably not going to get that. So you would have to sacrifice that possibility to want to return. I just don't see it happening. So I, I am, I would be very surprised if he continued playing beyond this year. I think we've seen his last game. I'm kind of in agreement as well just hearing that presser too. And hearing, like you said, like him talking about like, Oh, it would be nice to kind of do some of those things. That I've yeah. Back burner. Like sounds like he really is uh, strongly considering that as sad as it uh, may be that it's the end of what a run from Jonathan Taves, what a run it was here in Chicago. And uh, pretty awesome that he, you know, I wish he scored the overtime winner, but cool regardless that he uh, found a way to wind up scoring a goal in his final game with the Blackhawks. So we'll keep an eye out. The real, the real question is, Jack, let's just say hypothetically Jonathan Taves has played his last game. Do you retire Jonathan Taves' number as soon as next season? But I I feel like you got to retire Duncan Keith's number when because his contract expires this summer, right? Well, yeah. technically. So, like, do you, do, do you retire two numbers in the same year or do you space it out? I don't know. This is a good problem to have, though, if you're the Blackhawks, right? I was just about to say, what a luxury we had. <laughs> of having all those superstars and future Hall of Famers on the roster at one time. Uh, I'm looking forward to those nights, though, because, shoot, one yeah. of the best nights of the entire year was Marion Hosa's uh, retirement. I mean, I was, uh, was wondering awesome. wondering who had the onions in the crowd when I was sitting <laughs> up in the stands. But, yeah, it's going to be cool to have more moments like that. We'll see um, when that day ends up coming. No doubt that it will be. Uh, sometime soon down the road for Jonathan Taves. But Charlie, I've taken up enough of your time, man. I appreciate you coming on and having this lengthy talk with me as always. Lots of fun, brother. Um, and looking forward to all the Blackhawks content that you put out over the summer. Hopefully not too much, though, because I know you're a <laughs> man during the season. And this is the time of the year where we can kind of put our feet up and relax. So looking forward to everything you provide for the Blackhawks, Charlie. And thank you again for coming on, dude. Thanks, man. Don't even, don't no apologies necessary. I can talk hockey all day with you. So it was uh it was fun to do it. And we'll I'm sure we'll do it again post draft when we can uh 
have some optimism to or have some some positivity to look forward to. Absolutely. Looking forward to it, Charlie. So once again, thank you, man. And thank you to everyone out there for listening to the show. Just a reminder, again, you could follow Lockdown Blackhawks for free wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe on YouTube. Make sure to do that real quick so you can get all of the latest episodes as soon as they come out each and every day.